Hello and welcome to Essential Alchemy. Alchemy is defined as the power or process that changes or transforms something in a mysterious or impressive way. My hope is that the information in this podcast can help you transform your mood, your energy, physical health, or even connect some dots to help you shift your mental or emotional state. I'm your host, Jody Cohen, a best-selling author, award-winning journalist, functional practitioner, lifelong learner, and founder of Vibrant Blue Oils, a company that sells proprietary blends of high-quality organic or wild-crafted essential oil remedies designed to help you return to your ideal mental, physical, and emotional state. You can find out more about me and my company at VibrantBlueOils.com. And with that, let's get started with today's episode. Hi, I'm Jody Cohen, your host, and I'm so excited to be joined by Dr. Kim Duramo. Kim is a conscious physician, best-selling author of the Mind Body Toolkit and founder of the American Institute of Mind Body Medicine. She received her board certification in emergency medicine and attended residency at Emory University in Atlanta. Dr. Duramo has been Um, has been highly sensitive and able to perceive energy at deep levels throughout her life and has practiced mind-body healing for decades. She resolved a severe autoimmune disease through self-healing after doctors told her she would be on medications for life, resonates with so many of us. Kim now assists individuals and practitioners all over the world to resolve illnesses and access your highest possibilities for vitality and abundance. She shares a weekly live international mind-body TV podcast and can be found at drkimd.com. Welcome and thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so, grateful I get to meet with you and connect with you and I think this is going to be really incredible. I think, yeah, I think we can really help shift some energy for people. So I I always ask to start, how do you define resilience? Resilience, I would say, is our ability to um, bounce forward, you know, into a even greater state of expansion and joy with the challenges life throws our way. So how able are we to take what's happening, what we're experiencing, and allow it to um, make us more whole. Yeah, and and today I'd love to talk about some of the things that keep us stuck, that kind of stop us from bouncing forward as as fluidly as we can. And do you wanna kind of just talk about some of the things you're seeing in your practice with that? Yeah, and, and I would talk about myself personally, um, what comes up to, um, there are, so many ways especially with what's happening right now that life is is bringing us is inviting us to become more conscious to become more um loving to ourselves more true to ourselves more authentic and organic and less program astroturf you know we've all lived with the program of here's who you got to be here's what you're supposed to do follow the lines and and we'll all be good and then there's this inner calling that's like oh, I'm dying. This is killing me. I hate it. What's wrong with me? You know, for me, when I was an emergency medicine doctor, which was definitely an authentic part of my journey, it was after a couple of years where I was like, wait a minute, I'm still here. And this isn't where I want to stay. Where am I going? And it was like this feeling of, I, this is making, this killing me. But I also kind of made myself wrong because I thought everyone else seems to be pulling it off. 
what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What am I supposed to do with my life? Why can't I just do this thing? And I think um, it's where we're willing, where we're doubting ourselves and looking outside ourselves for the, the answer or where we believe the narrative that you're supposed to fall in line and do the thing. There must be something wrong with you that we kind of pot, we halt that, or we maybe even get stuck sometimes for <laughs> decades that we might keep living that thing and, you know, medicate with a little touch of Prozac and you won't even notice how unhappy you are for 20 years. In some cases for me, that was not an option. You know, I, I really knew I would suffer if I didn't um, choose to move into something more expansive. But I think, um, that's one of the areas we get stuck is we look outside ourselves and it's like, well, everyone else is doing it this way. It must be me. So we doubt ourselves a lot more willingly than we probably should um, make ourselves wrong. Like, oh, it's some deficiency in me that I'm not falling in line or that I'm sick or that I'm not achieving this uh, and everyone else seems to be pulling it off or, or I should be happy. Why am I not happy? Instead of listening to that voice and what's right about this, I'm not getting. And in my practice, um, where I really guide people into that as a way to heal the body and as a way to expand their lives, I've kind of seen that universally. It's like when we dull the whisper because we think that's what's wrong, we just move into greater misery. We try to learn to manage it better. <laughs> but when we move toward it, like you have mentioned, you had to lean into the pain. When we move into it, it's always our greatest strength. It's always where our greatest opening lies. And I'm grateful I've found ways to do that, to, to look into um, what is it that's underneath this, this despair or this fear or this anger or anxiety um, that I can make it right and honor it. And then it always ends up being my gift at reclaiming my truth and reclaiming my power and always, always seeing my life open to a greater degree of abundance. Yeah, and you mentioned something that really struck a chord. I think we, especially women and especially pleasers, we've been raised to assume that our job is to make other people happy. And so if they're not happy, there must be something wrong with us. We must not look right. We must not be nice enough. We must be selfish. And we're taught to kind of assume that everything's our fault, which is a bit of a trap because then we can never really question like, wait a minute, do I even, you know, my, whoever I'm trying to please wants this. I don't even like this. I'm, I'm doing this to please them, but you know, how, how much can I give before I break and how much is reasonable? It, it's really suppressive. In fact, I, we just had a call in my embracing health group and this one woman was dealing with major challenges with her children. Um, you know, a teenager, teenager who's suicidal, which is very, very common actually. And uh, all the ways she, what was coming up for her um, that she just didn't, didn't know how to look at that because she's got to focus on her child and help her child get better and be there for her child. But the truth was all, a lot of the suppression the child was feeling were things she kind of unconsciously adopted that she was suppressing herself. And so instead of honoring her truth and honoring her joy, She's trying to help her kids and trying to do what she thought was expected there. But what we could feel into, and she saw it right away, was like how suppressive that was to them. And she had grown up with the same thing. It was like, you know, you're somehow defective. So improve yourself, be a better person, give more, love more, try harder, and you'll, you'll compensate for that. And this is exactly what her kids are dealing with. And she, she could see it really clearly because she can feel the energy in her own body. 
And then she's parenting from that space of like, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me make sure you don't have pain. Let me make sure you don't do anything wrong. Let me make sure I compensate because you're defective. Now she wasn't consciously, you'd never consciously believe that, but it was from the foundation of why do I have to scamper so hard and work so hard to make sure my kids are okay. If I understood they are whole, um, I can support them. They are whole, they are a self, self healing unit. And then I can support the wisdom in that system. I do not need to be in fear. They are a self-sustaining unit. I can follow my guidance and be in my own wholeness and assist them through it instead of trying to save them from it. And it was a massive, massive shift for her to awaken and see, oh my gosh, that's the pattern I lived with from my parents. Like you're somehow defective. And she could see that little layer of like, wow, I'm not really standing in the foundation of that love to be that parent. I've still been standing in this old foundation of like, I'm somehow defective. So let me make sure I help you. And that that's actually passing on the message or the energy to them. And, you know, we could just feel a huge, huge release and resolution in, in herself and her body. And in a way, you know, she's relating to her kids. So, you know, it affects your kids very, very directly when you do this. When, and I love that you talked about honoring your truth because I think so many of us don't even know what our truth is. You know, we were kind of told like, be a good girl, get good grades, get a good job, get married, have kids live happily ever after. Like that was the roadmap and we followed it and it didn't turn out to be happily ever after. And we think, what did I do wrong? And it didn't even occur to us, like, do I want this roadmap? Does this fit me? Many of us don't even think to look at, you know, what we've kind of, the assumptions that we've made and the life that we've built based on those assumptions and what really is our truth. And this will intensify and intensify and contract until we're really able to see it more clearly, which is what's happening right now in society. We've been in a system and even our medical model that says, um, if there's something coming up, it's a problem, let's fix it. If you're feeling too much, if, you're, uh, if anxiety is coming up, if an illness is coming up, your body's broken, let's fix it. And it's actually really suppressive. Um, and in this society, you know, we're born and it's like, okay, don't worry. There's other people here. We got it all figured out. And we're going to show you the ropes and you're going to learn ABC and if you do ABC. You're good. So you like do your school thing and you're like, try really hard to do ABC. Then you finish, then you go out and you're supposed to do ABC in your life. And you're like, I'm miserable. Oh, it's okay. Just take a seminar or take a Prozac or, Hey, there's a little alcohol. Hey, that can't hurt anybody. You know, people joke about it. Like I need a little thing at the end of the day but it's kind of universal that we're actually suffering. And then we found out like I did ABC and none of it worked and I don't have what I, what's really fulfilling to me. And then the message is, well, you just did it wrong. You need to do it better. You need to try harder. You need to do more. So it's always, always about your deficiency, but trust me, we got the rule. Just keep following the plan until you realize like, wait, what if the plan is bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> what if what I'm told is the thing has nothing to do with anything and there's truth in me. And, and that's Jody, where, where we talk about like trusting myself, even when everyone else is doing status quo. Like for me, that was a huge thing. I was like the only one in my universe who had this inkling inside me that said, no, that can't be my truth. No, that is not right for me. But everyone else in my universe at the time was like pulling it off. So you go through that first stage of like, no way, it must be me. And you doubt. And then you get to like, F you. And there's like anger. Like, 
I'm not buying that. I know that can't be true. And then you're like fighting against the system, which doesn't really get you so far so fast either until you finally realize it's okay that everyone else has their way they think they want to do and I can let them have it and I can let myself choose my way and know my way even if they don't even if they hate me even if they make me wrong even if they try to make me feel ashamed because the only thing those triggers can do is make me aware of what I'm holding that makes me wrong or I hold judgment against myself or I hold self-doubt no I'm really not good enough to do that the heart the calling is never going to doubt it's always going to say yes I can yes you can you're amazing go for the whole enchilada Kim it really is here for you and then the doubt is like no no I'm clearly asking for too much so it's <laughs> that, that little like game we play between yeah. what the outside teaching is and what the inner awakening is and how we navigate that that is what resilience is really all about i know and for the people that are listening that are kind of wait mind blown you mean i don't need to follow the rules that have been laid where do they even start like if that never occurred to them i have a really good friend who um she grew up in a different neighborhood, but she was like, yeah, I used to just leave school and walk home in the middle of the day, like in grade school. I'm like, that never occurred to me. You can leave, you know, <laughs> but to her, it was so obvious. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like that guy in office space who like gets hypnotized, like, yeah, he's and he wakes up and he's like, I don't want to go to work. And it, it, we think that that's going to create me sitting on the couch, doing nothing, fading off into oblivion and I'll be a wastoid. And in the movie they show that isn't what it creates for him either. But it that's the thing I think that holds a lot of people back that we think, well, in this five minutes, if I follow my joy, I'm just gonna sit on the couch. And they assume that that means that's all they're ever gonna wanna do. But what happens is if we, if we do follow the organic self, yeah, you're going to have to sit on the couch for a few minutes because you've been working your ass off so hard that that's what is required right now. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that if I follow my heart, I don't care about anything. If I follow my heart, I'm not inspired to do anything great. If I follow my heart, I'm just shutting down and shutting out. Like that isn't true at all. And it's quite the opposite that we find when we do surrender and we do follow the, the flow and ease within us that the greatest things you could ever imagine get created. You know, it's funny, I had a, a really hard week. Grief kind of tsunamied me this week. And I just, I, I just wanted to take a nap. And I, I was, I was kind of um, diminishing myself. And then I read something about how uh, when we're busy, when we're exhausted, we can't actually feel and we can't make any progress. And it occurred to me that my workaholism was my way of numbing. And that in actually stopping and noticing like, oh, I need to like deal with this. I need to lean into it. I need to work this through. Now I feel better. You know, I, I could continue to avoid and probably take more and more meds, but it just, it wouldn't go away. So can, can you kind of speak to that a little bit? There's so much inside us. There's a whole universe inside us. And when we honor the, I'm tired, let me slow down, or I'm scared, let me just be gentle with myself or whatever it is that's coming up. And we find an expression for it, like, like anger, right? If I'm gonna soften into my body, one of the biggest things I invite people to do when they're experiencing chronic illness that's not getting better no matter, no matter what they do, they've gotta to begin to sensitize and feel and soften, physically relax their body and soften to let these energies move and to feel and sense them. So things will intensify 
which in the conventional system is you're getting worse. Something's wrong. It's not what's happening. That energy is going to come up and move. And if I make space for it, the freaking universe will shift. Like the whole universe will shift if I embrace my anger. And, and that can look not pretty. Like it can look like, ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if I embody that as willingly as I embody joy or anything else, the energy moves. It's like 12 seconds it takes a, our body to physically process and release an emotion. And so if I can do that, oh, did I just release like 40 years of anger from like blah, blah, blah that happened with my father? Yes, fucking yes. Oh, did I just like undo the unconditioned, the unconscious pattern I had of like constantly criticizing my husband and making him feel small because I'm pissed and holding this anger? Yes, I did. I don't have to do that thing anymore because I just embrace my anger and let it move. But we're, like you said, the good girl, good girl doesn't have anything like that going on, right? It's astroturf. Everything's fine. It's just absolutely wonderful. But for those of us who are empathic or energy sensitive, that doesn't work because you know that astroturf isn't grass. <laughs> and, and the whole world is smiling at the astroturf and telling you it's grass. And you're like, there's something wrong with me. And then you like <laughs> medicate and suppress and you do whatever and you try so hard, read another book. But like the world isn't a physical solid separate thing. It's an energy thing. It's a vibration. And you can't be, when you're, when you're aware and you're awake, you're, you can't be fooled that AstroTurf is grass and you're supposed to not know the difference. And like everyone else is happy with the AstroTurf. So you just think, what's wrong here? But when you realize, no, I'm not physical, I'm energetic. I am vibration. Of course, AstroTurf feels like shit. Of course, it's not going to make me happy. Of course, I want real grass. I want a real experience and a real relationship. And I, I want to know what's really going on with you. And I want you to really feel me. Well, now I can have a relationship with my spouse, even just, even just with myself, where I'm like, I see you, Kim. You're awesome. We got this. And now anger can move, grief can move, shame can move. Okay, these are not pleasant things. I'm going to say, have fun feeling your shame. I'm just <laughs> going to say, feel shame, feeling your shame, feel the shame because 12 seconds or however many seconds, you know, 25 times you got to do that 12 seconds. That shame is going to move. It's not your nature to hold shame in your body. It's not your nature to hold grief. It's your nature to hold freedom, joy, love. But when you make space to embody the shame and feel the shame and <sighs> express the shame, I mean, it's a raw, messy emotion. Who makes space for that? Especially in the presence of other people, like you probably make space by yourself, which is great. And it is even more potent when you can let someone else be with you as you express that shame and not go into, oh my God, I've got to help her not have to feel that. No, just, just be with me, hold the space. I'm actually, okay, it's actually cathartic. It actually feels good to let myself feel it and express it. And so then we create totally different relationships based on I am whole, I am fully alive, you are whole, you are fully alive. Let's navigate this together. 
You know, you brought up something interesting. My, my best friend and I always joke, our mothers are fixers. Like if we're having a bad day, they jump to solutions. And all we really want is validation. We just want them to say, I'm sorry you had a bad day. That sounds like a real bummer. That's all we want. We want a witness. And you want it because it's actually healing. It, it validates that you're a whole and complete self-healing, self-sustaining individual, that you are whole. And it also, it actually assists you in going there within yourself and going even deeper into your grief so it can move. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I love, I mean, for anyone who's listening, you know, and is kind of wondering, oh, I never thought about honoring my truth. You know, I know you work with a lot of people. How do you kind of help people step into this? The first thing is, is if all you do first is like soften your shoulders. Let the breath be a little more full. And as you soften your shoulders, your breath is gonna come more into the belly and less into the chest, which is awesome because, you know, as a doctor and a scientist, we understand that turns off the sympathetic fight or flight nervous system. It activates the parasympathetic. So para, I heard someone the other day talking about um, parachute, that it slows you down. I love that. <laughs> oh, the para, it's like rocking the baby parasympathetic. So it activates this for you. You do not have to heal yourself. You can't heal yourself. Try really hard to heal yourself. You'll make yourself worse. I literally, it was like two diseases, then three diagnoses and then four diagnoses. And I'm like, I'm not going in the right direction with trying to heal myself here because that isn't the same thing. You can only set up the circumstances that allow healing to happen. So honoring your truth is... I got to check in. Wait a minute. So if I'm holding tension, you know, it's a, the AstroTurf girl. I got it. It's good. We're all good. Everybody's okay. But you're like, I'm not okay. <laughs> so if I, let, <laughs> if I let that tension release, which is physical tension, which is also like endocrine tension, your hormones are not going to be flowing and juicing up when you're holding that in your body, just not possible. Your your body is not like, oh, let's reproduce. Let's create a whole other human. No, it's like, <laughs> I'm not even barely surviving, taking care of just this one. Yeah. So you shut down the endocrine system um, and, and sexuality as well, but you know, creativity in your business, like all the other things. Um, you also shut down digestion. <laughs> Your body's not like, oh, let's take in nutrients and break things down and absorb and restore health. It's like, hey, run from the tiger. Let's put out the next fire. Let's do this. And then it's so funny. Like we stay in that mode even when it's not happening. So when yeah. I finished residency, I, you know, I no longer have to like study every day and go to the thing and do a million shifts. I'm like, whoa, I'm, I'm done. But my system was like, hey, no, wait. Don't forget to do something. What did you forget to do? Wait, you got to do something. What? It was like, I couldn't find the thing to turn off the switch. Like, okay, I read my journal for today. I read my, you know, the text or whatever I did. There wasn't anything I had to do. And my body had to recalibrate to, no, it's good. You can actually just be at ease today. You could just go for a walk today. It was a new, it was a new thing. And that alone brought up like <gasps> the, the fear because surely something's going to, the other shoe's going to drop if I have that much freedom in my life. 
So you have to recalibrate to a new normal. So physically soften and it releases that tension preventing digestion and mucking up your immune system and creating physical pain. It lets that go. Even if it's just 2% relax your shoulders, it's a cascade. You breathe 2% more fully into your pelvis. You shut off the sympathetic nervous system and even just 2% turn on the relaxation response of the parasympathetic. But this creates massive changes because, okay, I'm digesting a little more. My endocrine's a little more balanced. I feel 2% better and lighter. It changes your brain. You see things like, wait a minute, why don't we just do it that way? so easily and effortlessly, like from nowhere. So you let something happen. Yep. It it accesses. I think when you're stuck in fear, you can't access your intuition. Yeah. And you can't access the higher mind. If you think of like, I'm using 3% of my brain. Well, what if the rest of the brain's like, babe, shut up. We got to handle. We're good. It's not a big deal. No, no. I got to keep going. I can see there's a problem. So if you ask someone to like, no, like, relax your shoulders, breathe a little more fully. You're going to feel your fear more. You're going to feel your shame, your anger, your pain fucking more. And if you're not holding a space of compassion for yourself, you're not going to let yourself have that. That's just going to have nowhere to go. So you're like, no, you don't understand. I have a busy life. I have to do that. I can't let go. I can't stop. But what you're really doing, why am I propagating the cycle of busy? I don't want to feel all this stuff. I don't want to go there. I don't know what to do with it. I think it's also, I think people think it's Pandora's box that once you open it, you can't close it. I don't think they realize that you, it's like a tunnel. There's an end, but you have to actually go into it to move through it. 100%. Right. When I become like messy girl, crying, expressing grief, I literally could take like one breath to let, let as much of it resolve as it's going to resolve and come right back to peace. Like I am, I am here in wholeness. I'm not like losing myself and this never ending bottomless pit of despair is going to take over. It's never, it feels like a bottomless pit when you open Pandora's box but that's never the truth. It's not the truth of your nature. Yeah. And I really want people to hear that because I think kind of to your point, we spend so much time suppressing, avoiding, not looking at, because we're terrified of it. But once you actually, it's like that book, the monster at the back of the book, you know, where it turns out to be Grover. We're so afraid of the big bad wolf. And it's often once we meet it and go through it, we're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. And, and I, I just want to touch on this because um, honestly, it is a huge honor for me to be able to sit with you with what you went through with your son. Um, I know that I can't really parent from love if I'm not willing to meet grief and fear. And when I became a mother, which this happened twice and it was two big expansions, um, levels of love and joy flooding into my life at this accelerated pace all at once stirs up the nervous system. So that then the nervous system's like, it's not used to having that much love and that much joy. So wait, wait, the other shoe's going to drop. And then it will say things like, what if they die? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I drop them? And for me, it was like even worse things, even worse ideas that I'm like, I would never forgive myself. 
And I realized, Kim, you have to integrate this level of pain or uh, sorrow and grief in order to embrace this level of love. Not that you have to live grief to have love, gotta have the good with the bad. No, 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 no. You have to integrate this love. You have to embrace this level of grief in order to open your heart to this level of love. Because what that little fear response was, was don't open your heart too much. Don't let in too much love because you could have this unthinkable pain. And I was like, no freaking way. I'm not going to suppress. What would it take for me to parent from total love and not from fear? And so I had to like imagine the worst and like meet everything that brought up for me and, and, and tell myself, I forgive you. I forgive you. It's okay. I love you. It's okay to have peace. It's okay to still go on. Now I didn't have that happen in my life. And I, I honestly feel like um, one of the things that gets me through those moments is knowing that there's a woman, I know her personally, her name's Jody. There's a woman in the world who has even 2% like been willing to walk that journey with courage and not shut down. And every day, a little more courage and every day, a little more courage because um, that willingness has to come from somewhere. And I'm not alone in it. Even when I meet it just in the imaginary moment to open my heart, that is resilience. I have to find like a connection with you and say, um, she's there for me. She's standing beside me. She's actually fucking lived this and actually chosen to keep breathing every day. Like that's massive. And there's a strength that, that everyone can receive from one person embodying that experience. I just, I can't imagine anything in the human experience that we go through that could possibly be worse than that kind of experience. Like we'd all rather go through pretty much anything ourselves than have our child go through that that oh, experience. I, no, I know. Um, so you're really being asked to, to go to, to embody a lot and, and it matters. I think, I do think some of us are wounded healers and that we pick the hardest path possible so that we can figure out how we do it. And then it's this idea of walking out of the fire and carrying water for those who are still burning. I really do hope, you know, so many people go to the negative, like um, they lose a child and they, they pick a cause that doesn't feel like it helps people, but kind of puts people more in fear. My hope is really to find a way to take what I've learned and, and even things like, you know, I was very depressed earlier this week and I just decided, all right, it's not going away. I'm going to lean into it. And it got better, which surprised me because when you're in those moments of intensity, it, uh, you know, it's terrifying. You're like, am I going to go down a hole? I can't get out of, you know, but, but you yes. can, yes. You, yes. you can go through it. And that's really what I'm hoping to share with people, people who, um, you know, a lot of people say to me, oh, I lost my dog. It's not the same. I think grief is grief. I think loss is loss. I love my dog. I would be devastated, you know, if I lost my dog. Like I, I think every, you, you get to, you get to be sad about anything that make, you know, I used to be upset when I broke a fingernail before I had children, you know, silly things, but you, you get to be upset about that. And, and hopefully, you know, listening to this conversation and the other talks, people will walk away with just some ideas, some tools, some strategies of, oh, I could try that. Maybe that'll help. Yeah. Well, that, that's one thing that really made a difference for me to expand my joy, love quotient. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I literally like, as I would carry him 
on the stairs we have these these slate stairs that have like the space between them oh, and I had tiny baby and my mind would be like ah! and I would say thank you thank you thank you and I would just reaffirm like I'm living in the reality where that didn't happen I'm living in the reality where he is safe in my arms I'm living in a reality where I really do have this amazing little being here and I would re-anchor into that joy and just thank you thank you thank you instead of trying to avoid the fear because it's insane you're like <gasps> you clamp down you clench down and you your mind's going crazy and then what is it doing? It's trying to control, control, control. So I never have to feel that. No, if, if I would embrace it instead, I'd go back into resilience. Yeah, and that's the other thing that I'm really working on because I am, I'm a Scorpio. I like to control things and you have zero control. And I've noticed that the more, it's like this weird thing where you, you think the best you can get is, oh, I don't know, a lollipop or something. And so you're so focused on that, that you miss, like, there's a whole candy store, like you could get anything. But I, I almost feel like when you control things, you limit yourself to the potential. Of yeah, what could be. because you can't be in control and freedom ever. It's not possible to be in control and have freedom. So one of the things we want so much is freedom, which is why we're trying to control things. It's not possible to ever have more abundance, more freedom, more peace, more real health when we're yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I, I guess what, what I hope people take away from this talk is that you can give yourself permission to let go. You can give yourself permission to honor your truth. You know, is, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you'd like to share? I think this piece around honoring your truth and, and you begin soften your body a little, get, get a question like what, what does it feel to move like this? Get curious, tune in, feel and sense your body. Don't worry that your mind's going to go, I don't feel anything or, but I don't know. Like that's going to happen because you haven't activated the brain cells that are consciously registering this information. But if you keep tuning in anyway, they will begin to register this information and you activate the, the conscious awareness of like, oh, that's what it feels like in my pelvis. Oh, there's a density or there's a heaviness or there's a lightness or oh, here's how it feels when I, I move my, my, my hips like this, or here's what it feels like when I, I move my spine or, you know, ask what feels good, what feels juicy, what feels fluid, because your nature is fluidity. So anything you do to align with your nature of, of love or joy or fluidity and ease, anything you do to align with that is going to make you more alive. So just be curious, be really slow with yourself and gentle because, you know, waking little brain cells one at a time and it can take a minute. So no big deal. Be gentle with yourself. That's also aligned with your nature. And then let your body just slowly, gently awaken to what it's like to feel fully alive and actually sense the difference between grass and astroturf. Because in the society we've been in, that is not, a, that hasn't been an asset. That's been like a curse. If you're highly sensitive, you're like, oh, let me just be numb like everyone else. It's not, it is the greatest gift you could possibly imagine. And when you do awaken into it, it will show you how to navigate through life so that you create an amazing world. Yeah, I think, and, and trust your intuition and don't be, don't be afraid to lean into the hard things. Thank you. Thank you for your time and for your brilliance. How can people um, learn more about you and work more with you? I'm at drkimd.com. We do a live broadcast every week called Mind Body TV. It's free. Everyone can tune in on my YouTube channel, Dr. Kim Doramo, D 
D-E-R-A-M-O, uh, or on the Facebook group, the Mind Body Community is my group on Facebook. Um, that's probably the best way for people to tune in more to what I'm doing. I have ways that I work with groups um, live. We have a, a retreat that we do every year. This year it's in September. Um, the work is really, really powerful. So if people resonate with this, um, they can find me in those in those ways most easily on my website, drkimd.com and kind of just feel what is fluid to go forward from there. Thank you so much for your time and your brilliant insight and, and your great energy. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope this podcast empowered you with some useful information and takeaways. If you like this episode, please consider sharing a positive review and consider subscribing. I would also love to offer you my free parasympathetic toolkit as a gift just for listening. It will teach you how to activate the most important nerve in your body to turn on your ability to heal. This free toolkit includes a checklist, a video, and a detailed guide. If this podcast prompted any questions, you can always find answers on my blog at Vibrant Blue Oils or in my book, Essential Oils to Boost the Brain and Heal the Body. Until next time, wishing you vibrant health.